Thanks for joining us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Several years ago, this weekly program was recorded at Michael's home studio in Franklin, Tennessee. We got to meet many of Michael's friends and hear about the work of God in the Nashville community and around the world. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the Bible and the reality of God's faithfulness told in these conversations stand the test of time. Let us know your reaction. Our web and email address hasn't changed, but now you can connect via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. Welcome to our program this week. I'm Wayne Shepherd, And Michael, look at the calendar. It's December. That means that we need to turn our attention to Christmas. We do. And, and, and not miss it this year. Not <laughs> miss really celebrating uh, the advent of Jesus. Let's determine together. Uh, let's covenant together. I'll hold you accountable. Okay. That uh, this season, the busyness, all the, it's not going to detract us. From the worship, yeah. the wonder, the scripture studies yeah. that we need to do, we can we can get started on that today here. And the, the quiet, uh, slow time with our family, looking Good. at the word and, and talking about what it means that Jesus has actually come to the world. I like that plan. All right. Well, coming up in the second half of the program today, we're going back to the Nashville Rescue Mission. Mm-hmm. More accurately, Curry Womack is coming back here to talk about the mission and bringing a friend with him today. He's bringing Brian with him, who whose grandmother heard our program in Missouri heard about the ministry of the rescue mission and sent her grandson, Brian, who was struggling, to Nashville. And uh, Brian's going to share his testimony of coming to faith and uh, and getting back on his feet there at the rescue mission. It's a wonderful story. Can't wait to tell it here in the studio today. Yeah. And then later still, Barnabas, our Chinese brother, mm-hmm. is going to come and talk to us about the persecution of the Chinese church and what we can do to get involved with the Lights of Christmas mm-hmm. project. And we use this word a lot, but it really is a privilege Amen. to get to hear Barnabas share with Amen. us. Amen. Yeah. Well, we have a studio full of people here to assist you on this song. Michael, Shanoa Sykes is going to be singing with you. Steve Mikesell plays bass, Ken Lewis percussion, and you're playing the guitar as you sing, Michael, on this one. So, to the mystery. When the Father longed to show love he wanted us to know he sent his only son and so became a holy embryo that is the mystery Fantastic and wild A mother made by her own child Hopeless babe who cried Was God incarnate And man deified That is the mystery
cause the fall did devastate Creator must now recreate And so to take our sin was made like us So we could be like Him That is the mystery you capture the twists and turns well in the lyrics to that song to the mystery because it's hard to get our minds wrapped around what actually took place there it, it really is I think it's impossible it's a it's a it is a mystery I mean that's part of the definition uh, and Martin Luther said uh, that the incarnation is more to be adored than to be pondered that's hmm. that's where that song came from mm-hmm. and so the idea is just because you can't understand it doesn't mean you uh, can't worship that you can't enter into it in fact I think the fact that you can understand it is the whole point mm-hmm. the mystery is what draws us to worship mm-hmm. we're going to be listening to a couple of other songs from Michael Card here today in the studio but let's go to the scriptures and uh, study this matter of the incarnation and and as you said earlier let's let's kind of do some of the uh, scriptural digging work here you know some of the background work yeah we we begin obviously with John 1 that's before any of the shepherds or uh, wise men or any of that stuff John knows that we've read Matthew Mark and Luke he knows we know the nativity stories and so he goes to the very beginning In John 1, he says, In the beginning the Word already existed. He was with God and He was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that He didn't make. Life itself was in Him. And this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Boy, there's so many good things to underline in those first few mm. verses of this chapter. Well, well that that's the beginning. That's what happens uh, before the birth of Jesus. I mean, this this is before the incarnation of Jesus, the pre-existence of Jesus from from before the beginning. And a lot of times people don't understand that the, the pre-existence of Jesus. I mean, he is with God in the beginning. Proverbs talks about that he was by the Father or with, at the Father's side during creation, joyfully celebrating as God created everything through him. And uh Three separate witnesses in the New Testament, John, Colossians, and Hebrews, all affirmed that it was through Jesus that God made everything, and everything holds together in him. So that is the one that we celebrate then who comes into the manger, and that's another part of the awesomeness of his coming to us. Each and every word of these first few verses, I think you read the first five verses of John chapter 1, each and every word leaps off the page here. But Verse 4, life itself was in him, Mm -hmm. and this life gives light to everyone. Mm -hmm. Powerful. Yeah, and what does Jesus say when he's on earth? I am the life. Uh, I am it. He can point to himself and say that he himself is life, and John is going to make that point again and again in his gospel. Well, Mike, let me ask this question. Is it important to you as you study the scriptures that we we get the date of Christ's birth, nail the incarnation? Well... 
Obviously, to some people, it's more important than to others. I mean, for me, I celebrate the fact that he's come at all. And there, there is some uh, disagreement among scholars as to what year. 4 to 6 B.C. Mm-hmm. is uh, where most people come down. Uh, we have uh, Luke placing it in a historical framework when he mentions in, in chapter 2 uh, the idea that Caesar Augustus uh, was reigning when Jesus was born. And we know that he was Caesar from 31 B.C. to uh, what, 14 A.D. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Jesus was clearly born in that time. Uh, but there, the calendar was uh, manipulated at different times in history. And uh, I know four to six is where I think Dr. Lane used to say, and I usually come down where Dr. Lane comes down. Yeah, okay. You know, as you read John chapter one, uh, we were thinking also of what it says in Colossians. And this has to be, to me, just the epitome of the supremacy of Christ uh, talked about here in Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. Can we go there now? Am I jumping the gun on you here? No, not at all. Uh, It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, kings, kingdoms, Rulers, authorities, everything has been created through him and for him. That's interesting. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. And then the rest of this text all the way uh, through the first part of this first chapter of Colossians Mm -hmm. just amplifies that message. And when the scripture talks about Christ coming in the fullness of time, Mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting to look uh, even culturally at the world uh, that Jesus is born into. And uh, we can look at the Roman world, what was happening. We can look at the Jewish world and see how it was the perfect. It was the, the Bible says time was pregnant and, and uh, that Jesus was the one who, who was birthed into time. The Roman world was a world that was in transition. When we uh, read in Luke 2, simply the phrase, in the days of Caesar Augustus, that tells us a lot because Caesar is the first Roman emperor. Uh, Rome is going from, from the old republic to becoming uh, an empire in the days of Augustus, which means everything was upside down. Uh, power plays were going, and that's the very reason why they had to have a census, hmm. because he's, he's taking count of his subjects, he is reorganizing the empire, and uh, it's, it's a world that's, uh, that's in transition, massive reorganization uh, that's going on from the old Roman Republic. So we begin, can begin to see how God looked down at all of this swirl of events, and hmm. we can't make sense of it, or couldn't make sense of it, but God somehow saw it coming together in the fullness yeah. of time. And in a, in a world that had been turned upside down, we, we see that there's no accident that Jesus was born exactly when he was born. You would think, oh, God should have maybe come at a better time <laughs> when things were in a better order. Yeah, look how much worse they got after you. Yeah, you. but that's not it at all. And in the Jewish world, it, it, was, it was a full time because uh, the Pharisees had renewed uh, a messianic hope. Uh, the, the, Jew, the Jews had lost sight of a Davidic Messiah. They had lost sight of a messianic hope. And with the rise of Phariseeism, interestingly, the very people that would become uh, Jesus' adversaries uh, during his ministry, but it was the back to the Bible Pharisees that taught the Jews to look for the Messiah again. And and then, you know, right before the appearance of Jesus, the beginning of his ministry, we have John the Baptist preaching again, preparing the way for Jesus. So it is in the fullness of time. It was the, the, the timing of God is always perfect. As Bill Lane would say, timing is of the Lord. And so Jesus is born 
born into the perfect time in history, into the perfect situation. It seems obscure. It seems a world in turmoil and upside down, but it was the perfect time. You've written a song based on that, and we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 1 here in just a moment. But do you, when you write a song like The Final Word, do you remember... Uh, what the circumstances were in your study and, and all? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I wrote that song out of a deep desire to write a song about the Incarnation that wasn't a Christmas song. Uh, I tried to do a whole album of songs about the Incarnation because I think it's unfortunate that we, we tend, I mean, like like now, for instance, to only talk about the Incarnation as Christmas is upon us, and we should be celebrating it all through the year. So the, the result of that was this song. The Final Word. Called huh? The Final Word. We'll ask you to do this for us now, Michael. Um, Steve Mikesell is here with the bass and Ken Lewis percussion. This is called The Final Word. You ready? One, two, one, two. And so was born the baby who would die. 
to me, that is one of your signature songs, Michael, the final word. Hebrews chapter 1 says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. But now, in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He made the universe and everything in it. The Son reflects God's own glory, and everything about Him represents God exactly. He sustains the universe by the mighty power of his command. After he died to cleanse us from the stain of sin, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God of heaven. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, actually here. Mm. And we hear echoing again the things that we've read in in John 1 and in Colossians 1. Through him, everything was made. And Hebrews uh, affirms what Colossians says. Everything is sustained through him. Everything is for him. Uh, How do we, I mean, we've heard this. We've heard you sing about it. We've heard the scripture, Michael. What would be your advice on how how we apply, how we respond, I guess, is the word to it? Well, even as Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, I mean, so much so that we say, we Christians say, Jesus is God. I mean, the Trinity, the three in one mm-hmm. comes from that. Uh, I think we can um, we can make the next step and understand that the things that we enjoy in creation, the beauty of creation, the order of creation, uh, certainly they are an echo of his beauty, of his uh, mind, of the mind of God. But uh, Paul also tells us that there is a witness that happens. And I think that that affirms what a lot of us feel. It affirms what I I experienced in China. I I met so many people who had come to a knowledge, not simply of some benign deity creator, but of a loving father, simply by looking at their gardens, looking up into the sky. Mm -hmm. And then they were ready to hear the name of Jesus and come to faith in Jesus. Now, some people, obviously, we can take that too far and Certainly. begin to worship that rather than the God who made that. Paul says that. There are people who worship the create the creation rather than the creator, and that, that is a lie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, don't let that become uh, a, a, a stumbling stone in terms of uh, really enjoying what God wants to say to us through his creation. Anybody who's held a new baby, which is part of what we celebrate in Christmas, uh, understands uh, that f- the full feeling, the, 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 the re- revelation of God that a new infant is, and that goes on out into creation. We're going to turn our attention to the prophetic here in just a moment, but I do want to bring our listeners' attention to a book that you wrote a number of years ago mm-hmm. now. It's called The Life, and this would be a, a rich uh, devotional even resource, study resource, mm-hmm. during this season of Advent. Yeah, it's a little pamphlet, actually, that Bill Lane and I wrote together uh, that overviews the life of Jesus. And uh, we we printed a bunch of them up, and we have them available for uh, anyone who's interested. Yeah, and they're on the web. They are. I'll, I'll give that address right now as well mm-hmm. as later. It's michaelcard.com, and it's called The Life. I'm sure it's listed right there prominently it on is. the website. So look for that when you log on to michaelcard.com. Uh, Jacob Star. Let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah, Matthew 2. Uh, the wise men who are astrologers, don't be afraid of that word. I mean, certainly we stand against astrology as Christians, but that's what they were. They were uh, men who looked at the motions of the planets among the stars and tried to uh, divine whatever it was uh, they thought you know, God was trying to say to them. 
All, all that aside, certainly as Christians, we don't accept that and we stand against that. Let's be clear about that. But God uses, the of all people, he uses these men and he speaks to them in a language that they would understand. Isn't that just like God, by it, the way? It is. <laughs> and, he, and what does he do? He sends them a star. Uh, uh, that's how you're going to speak to a wise man. you know. And what, what it tells me is that of all their knowledge, because they were very eclectic, they had brought together the wisdom of all the world's different uh, religions. They were Zoroastrian priests, sort of. Uh, kind of common day Unitarians. They sort of brought it all together and, and believed in almost really everything. In spite of the fact that they had searched the world scripture, there is still a hunger in these men. Uh, they are so hungry for the truth that they will take this journey that may be the last journey of their lives. Because in those days, you take a journey as long as this, you may never come back. There's no question that we sentimentalize what they did. Yeah. In fact, it was a long and arduous journey, wasn't and it, it? And it was, and it, it had to have been in response to a deep hunger that these men had. They had not found uh, what fed their souls in all of the world's religions. And, and lo and behold, God sends this star, and they go and they find this baby. And in this little little wordless baby in this uh, impoverished stable. They find everything they've been looking for. That's why they fall down and worship him. That's why they give him their gifts. Let me ask this. What was the star? What ha. is Jacob's star? That's, I know you want to get to that question. Well, that's, that, and that's a big question that really can't be answered. Um, uh, there are all sorts of theories. Uh, when I was uh, uh, studying astronomy uh, at Western Kentucky, we had a, a planetarium show that looked at all the different uh, possibilities. Uh, can't be a meteor. You know, a meteor is a quick flash of light. Uh, a lot of people believe it might have been a comet. Uh, uh, some people, I think the sort of the majority opinion is that it was a conjunction of mm-hmm. different planets. I mean, there's one constellation uh, called Pegasus, which is basically a big square. And there are some intriguing oh, yeah. uh, things that you can go back and, and study the stars right. and the planets. Well, and in 3 BC, there was a constellation. Uh, in this constellation, Pegasus, like I said, it's a big square. It looks like a house. And it was known as the House of the Hebrews. Uh, two stars came, uh, Jupiter, which is the star of a king, and Saturn, which is a star that sort of governed Israel. You know, I don't know. I'm, I don't know about all this stuff, but uh, the, it, it would have spoken. It might have spoken to the Magi. But do you think God could have taken a naturally occurring event and obviously you can supernaturally take that? Yeah, but here, here's my problem with all those theories. Th- this, this is an object that they follow. It stands over an individual house. It's okay. able to indicate to them it's in this place. Stars right? don't normally do that. No, no. <laughs> Conjunctions and things. And because any any sort of a constellation, just watch the stars tonight. They move across the sky uh-huh. at night. Okay, They're not going to stand over one house. So here's my theory for what it's worth. I, th- I think it was an angel. Because oh. how often in Scripture are the angels referred to as stars? Huh. So I think it, it was an angelic. Stars of heaven, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. I think it was an angelic presence that that led them that they followed that looked like a star so that's that's the mike card theory i don't and I don't you know feel if, strongly enough about this that you wrote the song i do i i do and and but here's here's an, an even more amazing thing you've got to ask yourself what was it in 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 what ancient scripture did the wise men see the prophecy that let them know ah oh, this is this star means that mm-hmm. And we actually have it. It's in Numbers uh, chapter 24. And what's even more amazing, I mean, as amazing as all this is, it was uttered by Balaam. 
Remember Balaam, uh-huh. the despicable, yeah. hateful prophet yeah. for hired. He he'd been hired to curse the Israelites. This amazing, uh, you know, wicked little man. We remember him for the episode with the donkey. He is the, he's the guy whose donkey talked to him. That's right. Well, in Numbers twenty four, in his fourth oracle, it was his his fourth time to try to curse the Israelites. Every time he tried to curse them, only blessings came out, which was obviously. Uh, very uh, upsetting to King Balak, who'd hired him to curse him. But Balak, Balaam said, sorry, you know, I can't help it. But during his fourth oracle, he, he says this, and I am absolutely convinced that this is the prophecy that started the wise men on their way. Verse 17, he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. I'm convinced, Wayne, that that's the prophecy that the wise men saw as they searched all the scriptures that explained to them that's what that star is. And out of their hunger and out of this belief, they followed that star and they found Jesus. Sing that song for us, will you? Jacob's Star. Beautiful. 
Thank you, Michael. And you're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. Before we take a break, I'd like to remind you to stop by our website and learn about all that's going on with Michael's ministry. Just log on to www.michaelcard.com and explore for yourself. There are many great ways that you can go deeper in the Word through Michael's teaching. We're excited about all the resources waiting for you online, like the weekly e-devotional and the audio archive. So much is just a few clicks away at michaelcard.com. Now, if you have a comment or a question about the Bible, why don't you pass that along? Our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. Well, when we come back, we'll hear two amazing stories of how God is at work here in the States and in China. So join us after these messages on the Moody Broadcasting Network. Don't miss the new session of In the Studio with Michael Card releasing next week. We'll prepare for the new year with several guests. Jeff Crosby from InterVarsity Press stops by to share his story and perspective on the ministry of publishing. Then Curtis Zachary, a young pastor, will inspire you as he talks about his love for people and caring for their needs. To wrap up the hour, Michael shares his thoughts from Psalm 90. Stirring music and life-changing teaching. Subscribe at michaelcard.com. Welcome back into the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. A little bit later, Michael, we're going to talk again about the lights of Christmas. This will challenge us. And the ministry of WorldServe, especially in China, and the, the ministry that we have to uh, the families of mm. pastors who are in prison. You will not want to miss that story, part yeah. two of our conversation about it. But right now, are you ready to have your heart encouraged here? Oh, yeah. Every time Curry comes, uh, it, it helps me regain that perspective. And <laughs> I think... Uh, going to the mission, spending some time there. And we encourage everybody, if you have a mission in your town, to go volunteer, uh, spend some time, mm-hmm. and uh, and learn what the gospel means all over again. We don't call them gospel missions for nothing, do we, Curry? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Curry Womack, welcome back. Thanks, guys. Nashville Rescue Mission. How old now? 50 years wow. this Congratulations. year. We're celebrating 50 years. That's, uh, I mean, that's got to make it one of the oldest in the country, right? I don't know if it's if it's the oldest, but it's it's definitely on up there. Mm-hmm. And, and the gospel, uh, just like Michael was saying, the gospel's still going out strong. Right. Yeah. What are you doing this year to commemorate the 50th anniversary? We we had a banquet uh, earlier in the year. And we celebrated our 50th uh, with with we brought back some people from our past who had mm. who had had a chance to have their lives uh, changed through Jesus Christ and hearing the gospel there at the mission. Uh, different people shared experiences and some music was shared and hmm. we just had a great time of celebration. Michael, hmm. you know how much we love to have Curry come to the studio and give yeah. us these updates. This this challenges us as well in a good time of the year. Any time of the year is a good time, but this is a great time to get involved. Right. Coming up to Christmas now, a lot of people are looking for uh, places they can donate uh, some uh, some monetary gifts, mm-hmm. but also donate some, uh, maybe some turkeys. We're always looking for turkeys, right? Always. We we'll use turkeys yeah. year-round. Yeah. yeah. Look at it as an investment. We're going to uh, explain that investment part today because there is a payoff in the lives of people. And, Curry, you've brought a friend with you to the studio today who can illustrate that for us here. Amen. Brian Standridge uh, actually came to our program as a result of, of this show. Mm-hmm. All right. How did that happen? Brian, welcome, by the way. Uh, thank you. Uh, Curry, you you start the story, then we'll have Brian pick up the details. You you say as a result of this radio program, one of your previous visits, Brian is sitting here today. Actually, his grandmother uh, called uh, 
the studio office and, and got some information and then contacted me. And I told her about the program, and she told me about her grandson and that uh, he was a good fellow but kind of got off uh, to the wrong way and the wrong path. And, and she loved him and wanted to see hmm. something happen in his life. So did you go find him at that point, or did Brian come to you? Brian actually came to us uh-huh. through his grandmother. Uh-huh. Wow. What's your grandmother's name, Brian? Uh, Carolyn Standridge. And she listens to the program. So hello, Carolyn, and what an exciting story to tell here today. Yeah, I bet she's hooping it up right now. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm sure. Well, why was Grandma so concerned? I had gone down a path for about five years, continually drinking. Now, you're very young. Yes. You're, what, you told me 22? 22. Mm-hmm. And I was... My drinking was increasing, and uh, using pills, painkillers, and uh, went from being on fire for the Lord to down in a hole, and not finding a way to get back out. Well, to go to find someone like Curry uh, waiting on the other side of a door must have been just what you needed. Oh yeah, yeah. When your grandmother made the suggestion, what did you think of that? Well, I'm from Missouri, so. <laughs> Show me, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it was, coming to Nashville is pretty far away, uh-huh. so I didn't know what to think about that. Huh. But I'm eternally grateful that I did go. Did it take much convincing, much prayer on her part, or did it turn around pretty quickly? Um, there was a lot of prayer involved mm-hmm. on everybody's part. Mm-hmm. What caused you to ultimately say, okay, I'll do it, I'll, I'll go there? I felt a calling on my life. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've felt this since I've been in high school. And, I mean, I know the Lord doesn't leave you when you stray. Mm-hmm. He's, he's right there to pick you up when you fall. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, you know, there's got to be some reason for Nashville. Mm-hmm. There's some, maybe there's something here for me. Or this is where I have to go to, you know, get back on track with the Lord and find that calling that he's called me to. Mm-hmm. I, I feel more in touch with that than I have in a very long time, thanks to Curry mm-hmm. and the other people at the mission who've helped me. Wow. Kerr, when you got that phone call and then eventually met Brian here, what was going through your mind? Well, there, there's so many young people just like Brian that they just need another chance. You know, it's easy for us to write somebody off. It's mm-hmm. easy for us to say, well, he's getting what he deserves. You know, he made that choice. But, boy, thank God I don't get what I deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, I... If, if our churches, and, and, and Michael, you alluded to it earlier, the missions all over the country, if there's there's young men like Brian at missions all over the country who, who are just wanting another chance. If if the churches will reach out to them now and say, hey, come with us, mm-hmm. you know, be a part of us, grow with us. Brian, what specifically did it do coming? What did you do? What, what did you get involved in that made a difference? I Well, we have Bible study every day twice a day at least and then we have our class so you lived right at the rescue mission yes yes and uh i'm involved with the choir i love to sing (laughs) Uh, i think that might be one thing god's calling me into Mm -hmm. my music Mm -hmm. so and there's there's a lot of good i'm blessed with a lot of people who play different instruments and just love singing Mm -hmm. it's it's great it's wonderful well we've talked about community before the power of community michael there's a right. good, another good example that's huh? right and unqualified acceptance which hmm. community gives you and and uh and i think what community gave me that i needed the most was 
Uh, I need someone who's on my side when I'm wrong, especially when I'm wrong. And I think that's where, you know, that's the mentality of the rescue mission. You know, right or wrong, I'm on your side. Even if you're wrong, I'm still on your side. And how else can we function if we don't have that kind of unqualified acceptance? If we don't get that from Jesus, we don't get that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The people who end up at the mission often are people who just can't find acceptance. Their family won't accept them anymore. Certainly, mm-hmm. the uh, you know most churches, un- sad to say, most churches won't provide a place for people like us. And and at the mission, there's this mentality that you know even if you're wrong, especially if you're wrong, I'm on your side. And that's the gospel. That is the gospel. Yeah. It, it's the gospel in action. Yeah. We we've got to come alongside, not just the men, but the women. Um, and not just the young men, but the older men as well. And, and so, you know what, we're going to love you no matter what. Yeah. We're going to love you, and, and we're going to stand beside of you. Yeah, and we're not going to give you a second chance. We're going to give you a third chance and a 20th chance and a 30, you know, Peter says, how many times do I right. forgive? Mm-hmm. And and I think for especially for a lot of the old guys, you just see, you know, cycles that are so ingrained and hard to break. And the commitment has to be, I'm going to be here right or wrong i'm going to be here for you and and the mission especially nashville's mission what i because i know it well that i see that lived out better at that rescue mission than any place any church any any counselor any place i've ever seen i mean if if you've gone wrong that's that's where you go why wouldn't we want to be a part of something that powerful yeah well, Brian, uh, thanks for sharing your story with us. Um, this thanks is, for coming to Nashville. Yeah. You're very welcome. This is your opportunity to say thanks to some people in your life. You want to yeah. say I'd, thank you? I'd like to say thank you to all my family for their seemingly unending support uh-huh. after you know all that I've put them through. And I want to thank people at the mission mm-hmm. for loving the Lord and, and giving that knowledge away. Mm-hmm. And helping men who maybe came in with a little less Bible knowledge than I did, mm-hmm. and just starting them out and lifting them up and raising them up to be mighty men of God, mm-hmm. and it's just a blessing to have them around. Yeah, Amen. Kerr, as we sign off, um, Brian mentioned his love for music. Do you have a little picture, a little vision of what God may have in store for this young man? Oh, I most definitely. I, I see him making a difference. Uh, in young people's lives, I mean, he he's seen both sides now, and he God's going to use him to make a difference. He is very musically inclined; he's very talented mm-hmm. uh, musically. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think that'll be one small part of his ministry. Mm-hmm. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Thank you. Brian. Michael, we're going to ask you to sing a song if we can recover here for a few minutes in the studio from this testimony. The song is called "Distressing Disguise."
hopes that we'll realize That we rob our brothers by all that we own And that's not the way he has shown that's in need What happens at that moment is a miracle indeed As they look to one another in an instant it is clear Only Jesus is visible for they both disappeared And he is in the hand that reaches out to give And he is in the touch that causes us to live So speak with your life Now as well as your tongue And shelter the homeless Take care of the young For in his distressing disguise He waits for us to surmise That when we take care of the of them We've really done it to him Michael, as always, thank you so much for your music, which always causes us to think so deeply about mm. Jesus and his call on our life. So thanks thank for you. singing that song here today. Uh, one of our recurring themes on the broadcast, we dealt with this just a, a short time ago, is the persecution of the church, especially in China right now. This mm-hmm. seems to be where the focus is, and we want to uh, turn our listeners' attention back to that today. We do. We want to do what we can to uh, make uh, Christians, especially in America and in the West, realize that there are more people dying for the cause of Jesus today than at any time in the history of the church from from the very beginning. It's so easy to lose that perspective. Yeah, we, and we it? live in denial of that. So I just want to read uh, just a paragraph, uh, and then we have a, 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 a brother from China who, mm-hmm. who, who we're going to talk to. The Born Again Movement, historically the largest of all house church movements in China, with thousands of pastors and evangelists, has endured some of the harshest persecution. Over the past two decades, countless thousands of pastors, evangelists, and Christians have been arrested and beaten. Many have died subsequent to the beatings. In one country alone in a 15-year period, 3,000 pastors and Christians were arrested. The leadership team of this movement declared that when financial help finally came, they had been crying out to the Lord for 20 years, Mm. imploring him for divine intervention and assistance from the body of Christ outside China. Shame on me and shame on us for not helping so much sooner. During that same 20-year period, there had been attention brought to the outside world relating to the same treatment of born-again movement, but virtually no practical assistance was provided for those suffering and ill-treated. In other words, enough was known about the situation to mobilize political intervention, but the body of Christ outside China did not help their suffering brothers and sisters practically. When that help finally came, the response of the Christians in China was so humbling 
they prayed and confessed to the Lord that they thought they had been orphaned. They confessed that they thought that the body of Christ outside had forgotten about them. Instead of praying down condemnation on us, they thank God for his faithfulness and goodness. May we never again keep our brothers and sisters waiting for help. That's from a paper presented at Lausanne by David Hunt of WorldServe. Our brother on the phone with us now knows a lot about this as well because he is Chinese. We have given him the name Barnabas for security reasons, and we once again have disguised his voice as well. Brother, uh, thank you for being with us here. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Do you resonate? Do you understand? Uh, Obviously you do what Michael was saying there, reading David's words. Yes, I do. I understand that. What, What... We find hard to believe, though, Barnabas, is when help finally does come, that there's no bitterness, that uh, there's just thankfulness to God. We saw this when we were in Cuba. When we did finally come to help, uh, there was just thanksgiving, no bitterness. Yes, because uh, we know that uh, sometimes the information is hard to get out. And uh, so people in the West who care for us, they don't have any information about what had happened. Mm-hmm. So we, we're we one in the spirit. Mm. Michael, since our last conversation with Barnabas, I've been thinking, what would my attitude be? If, if I were one who was arrested and, as you describe, beaten mm-hmm. for simply naming the name of Christ, what would my attitude be? Uh, would it be bitter? Uh, you certainly don't sense any bitterness on the part of these believers. Well, Barnabas keeps reminding us that we're we're human beings just like anybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so the, I, I'm guessing, uh, Wayne, that the same struggles that you and I would have about uh, remaining faithful mm-hmm. and, and trusting God are the same mm-hmm. struggles that our brothers and sisters in China sure. are having. It doesn't come easy. Right. Yeah, it, it's not easy, but uh, I have visited and have met many of uh, the suffering brothers and sisters. I remember a young pastor, uh, or we call him a church planter, uh, he's now 26 years old, and he started his ministry when he's around 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, during this around 10 periods, uh, ten year period of service in China, he was arrested four times, mm-hmm. spent four and a half years in prison. Mm-hmm. So when I met with him, I asked him the same question. How difficult it, it is for you to endure all the hardship just because of your faith? Mm-hmm. And when you were so lonely inside prison, what do you think? How, how, how are you going to survive? And he said that uh, the only thing that, he is, that is in his mind is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. When he meditated how Jesus died on the cross just for ourselves, and uh, he just humbled himself that he got this privilege to suffer a little bit of what Jesus suffered mm-hmm. on the cross. And uh, he said that when he meditated about Jesus Christ, his praying uh, will get away many times. Uh, he prayed that uh, the Lord will not take away the suffering, mm-hmm. but give him the strength to, to endure all the hardship. Mm-hmm. And he, he told me uh, whenever he got released, he will proclaim the gospel every time when he was at West. Hmm. So it's true. Every time when he released, he go out to the mission field and preach the gospel again. Hmm. Uh, for us, sometimes we would think that if we got arrested, that means we need to change our career right. because uh, <laughs> it's so risky or whatever we uh-huh. think. But for these pastors, our dear brothers and sisters in Christ, they will not change because they know God calls them into ministry. 
Barnabas, let me ask you this. I, I, I'm suspicious that when, when you're in prison for being a Christian, mm-hmm. um, in most situations, if you simply go to the guard and say, uh, I denounce Jesus, I, you know, I'm not a Christian anymore, does mm-hmm. that mean you'll be let out most of the time? Yeah, many times it could be, but it may not be uh, the same story. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes even if you deny Jesus, uh, they will still find you or beat you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in China, most most of the Christians, and uh, especially the church planters and pastors, they will not deny Jesus. Yes, Because one thing uh, that had happened, someone has been doing that. Uh, I mean, they... They are not denying Jesus, but they just said that I uh, I'm not related to this group. Uh, I mean, his intention is to uh, this pastor is to, is to tell the officer that I'm not related to them. So right. if you arrest me, it's fine, but don't arrest them. Yeah. But uh, the Christians uh, <clears throat> are saying that oh, okay, this pastor is not related to us, and he's denying God. So when he released from prison. He cannot come back to the same church. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. So uh, the the Christians in China are very straightforward. Do not deny Jesus Christ because they believe that if we deny Jesus Christ on this earth, when we come to heaven, Jesus will deny us. Yes. And that's more important. <laughs> hmm. Barnabas, this is so helpful to get this perspective uh, from someone like yourself who is Chinese and understands what's going on. Um, We want to get an update from you about the lights of Christmas, and we'll explain that, which we've talked about before, in just a moment. But first, uh, talk about WorldServe briefly and and how WorldServe comes along to help in this situation and how you go about doing that. Uh, Yes. Uh, One thing we, we, our philosophy is to go into uh, each country, for example, when we go into China, we don't we do not have our own agenda. We we may know that uh, they need help in certain areas, but uh, we ask the top leadership of different groups uh, to ask them what is their needs, and so uh, we 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 have the sharing from them, and we understand what they need, and uh, we do not promise them everything at the at the very beginning, but ask them to pray. Uh, so that when we come out to tell the stories uh, securely and confidentially to many uh, churches in the U.S., uh, hopefully when we pray, the Lord will comfort people and uh, ask people to support them. You truly are living up to your name. You really, truly serve the world, don't you? And and don't go with your own program, as you say. Now, last time we were together, we talked about the lights of Christmas. Uh, mm-hmm. Explain that briefly, and, and we'll tell our listeners how to find out more information about this. Uh, yes. Um, we have found many Christians and, and pastors in China. They're making Christmas lights when they were suffering uh, for their faith in prison. We have met at least 75 uh, pastors and Christians directly in the will of them, and they told us that they make Christmas lights in prison. So we asked them, what should we do? So we boycott uh, buying those Christmas lights because they are made by prisoners. And they said, uh, come up with a great idea. They said, no, instead of boycotting, not buying anything, it will hurt the economy of China. <laughs> and uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't help a lot because it is hard to distinguish what Christmas light is made by prisoners and what is not. 
But instead of doing that, it's just to pray for them when you hang out your Christmas lights on the Christmas tree. That is rich. Remember their brothers and sisters in China who are suffering for their faith. And in reality, if they aren't made to make lights, they'll just turn to making something else. So a boycott yes, right. wouldn't do That's that true. much good. But, uh-huh. Michael, this is something we can do. We can find out more about the lights of Christmas and support our brothers and sisters in this way. Right, and support uh, the ministry of WorldServe that is uh, so... Um, uh, woven into local pastors and uh, the people on the ground. Uh, I don't know another ministry that has uh, such uh, intimate knowledge of of whose family needs support and and where the where the support needs to go, and who we need to be praying for. And it's because we have connections to brothers like Barnabas from China, from Vietnam, from Cuba, from the mm-hmm. other places where World Serve ministers that we can have this kind of effective yeah. ministry. Let's listen to them and do yeah. what they tell us to do. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Barnabas. Uh, once again, thank you. First of all, thank you for your stand for the Lord, but thank you for spending some time with us to help us to get the word out. It's my privilege. Thank you for for the privilege. And if you'd like to learn more about the ministry Barnabas is talking about, then look for the link to World Serve on the michaelcard.com webpage because we consider it part of our mission to encourage the community of faith around the world. And we believe the lights of Christmas is a great way to do just that. Well, we'd love to hear your reaction to what you've heard in this edition of the broadcast. Please take a moment and get in touch with us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. We welcome your comments, prayer needs, Bible questions, and even your song requests. We hope you'll take a moment and let us know your story of how God is using this radio outreach. Well, this note came to us from a web listener in Ireland. Lindsay writes, Isn't the internet great as it allows people all over the world to listen to a broadcast 3,000 miles away in Franklin, Tennessee? It's so good to be able to hear your ministry and, as you say, still have that sense of community and connectedness to Christ no matter where we live. Lindsay, thank you for your note. Send your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And through the web, you can stay connected with all that's going on with this broadcast. And if you missed any part of our program, we hope you'll take full advantage of our radio archive. Also, look for Michael's weekly e-devotional. Information can be found at michaelcard.com. The scripture texts used on today's broadcast were from the New Living Translation. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Carr. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.